Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com. So you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. You know, we've all seen the, the hype and hyperbole about the AI and advent of AI and how it's taking over the world and the destruction of humanity and it's over the horizon and all this good stuff. Well, we have a special guest with us today. Josh McKinsey is a thought leader, innovator in the fields of artificial intelligence, technology, business branding, marketing, and SEO. As an independent AI researcher, Josh has over 20 years of experience in this field, and he's made groundbreaking strides in the field of AI. He is noted for developing the world's first self-aware AI prototype named Cassandra. He's also an early adopter and investor in GPT-3, a natural language processing transformer AI that we're all familiar with. Help me welcome to the program. Josh McKinsky. Josh, it took us a few tries, but we're finally here, brother. I'm so blessed you're able to come on the program today. Thanks, Bob. I'm happy to be here. Amen. Now, the first question I always ask is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Josh McKinsky? Sure. So, um, uh, what a question. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm still figuring that out, I guess. Uh, so, I don't have the, the best answer, but I guess we're all doing that, figuring it out, right? Uh, so, uh, I, I've ever since I was a young a young lad, uh, I've I've been curious. I've always kind of had this outside looking in perspective. Uh, I'm 48 years old, and just last year I discovered that actually I have autism, which oh, I wow. didn't know. Uh, a nurse who worked with autistic kids for 20 years, we're having dinner with her one night, and she's looking at me funny, and I and I'm like, what? And she's like. You know, she's like, do you like, you know, she asked me, started asking these weird questions and she was diagnosing whether I had autism or not. And she says, you know, I think you should get tested. I think you might be on the spectrum. I'm like, really? Okay. So I went to WebMD, went to Mayo Clinic, those two, you know, very official uh, health websites. They both have autism tests. I took them and they're like, yep, you're autistic. Like not even like borderline autistic, like the needle was pegged, boom, on the autistic side, right? <laughs> like, oh, I just thought I was a geek. Like, I just thought I was a nerd. You know, that's what I thought. So... So I've had this outside looking in perspective my entire life of not fitting in. And I mean, I know, I know a lot of people experience this uh, as well, not just people on the spectrum, but outside, you know, outside looking in, but, but everything and trouble relating with people, relating with concepts. And I've always been asking the big questions. What is truth? What is, what is reality? Why are we here? Like, no, really, why are we here? Is this a joke? Like, is someone punking us? Like, this has to be a joke. It doesn't it? Like, sometimes life just seems too ironic or too strange to be yeah. real, you know? And so Amen. I've often felt like I was in the matrix, you know, not necessarily in a <laughs> negative sense, but sometimes in a negative sense, but just like, this is a simulation, isn't it? Like this, this can't quite be real, can it? So I've always been asking those questions. And uh, so I guess that makes me a philosopher uh, because yeah. uh, in the, in the original Greek philosophy is, uh, you know, uh, two words, uh, 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 philia and and sophos. So philia is the longing for your beloved, for your friends, for your family. 
It's the root of the word filial or familial. Uh, and uh, a kind of different kind of love. Uh, 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 you know, the Greeks had different words for love, which was right. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, such as another one I'm, you're probably familiar with, such as agape, the love of the divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sophos, of course, is the word for wisdom, uh, uh, which is where we get the word sophistry or, or you know, uh, uh, sophisticated, you know, things like that. So I've always been, uh, always been a dreamer, always been a philosopher, and just trying to answer the big questions. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, we've all been taught since early on that computer code is simply a set of zeros and ones that are pre-programmed in certain patterns to produce predetermined results at a high rate of speed. Is that true of AI itself? It certainly is. So so AI did seem to have this meteoric rise recently, but actually this has been bubbling on the surface for like the last hundred years since Alan Turing and the work computer scientists did at coming out of World War II. Mm. Um, and they've been trying to do it a certain way for a very, very long time called symbolic AI. And then quite recently, like 20 years or so, 20, 30 years, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Jeffrey Hinton, formerly of, of Google, uh, said, let's try it a different way. And he, and he was laughed at, almost literally. He was, he was on the periphery. He's like, he's like, guys, look it. If we string enough of this data together and we feed it into the system and get it to learn itself on these systems, machine learning it's called, and if we have a big enough computer to process enough data, emergent properties will arise. There, there will be, if, if you will, a miracle. An emergent property will arise out of, out of mundane dirt, something will grow, so to speak. And I'm, I'm, I, I apologize to Professor Hinton. I'm vastly simplifying and <laughs> probably getting wrong what he said, but that's the general idea. Uh, uh, and they're like, no, 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 it's impossible. How could you get something from nothing? Right. They're, they're like, how, how is that? How is that logically possible? And he said, well, I think it, I think it's possible, guys. So he kept working at it, working at it, and he created something called the transformer and uh, which is the T in GPT, which is generative pre-trained transformer. Uh, he created a transformer working for Google and uh, they were able to transform one sentence into another. Basically, they mathematically encoded the mystery of semantics, the mystery of meaning, right? Like all X is Y subject predicate relationships. They're able to mathematically encode that and get a formula of it. And then once they have the formula of it, then they can encode, they could, they could encode something and then they could decode it to something else. So for example, you could say, is Josh's hair red? And if you give it, if you had given it enough text that it understand sentence structure and what a Josh is and what hair is and what the word is, is and what the word red is, mm. then it could, it could, in, encode that sentence and decode it to the answer, yes, Josh's hair is red, you know, if, if that's what the corpus said. Yeah. It only can, it's, it's an autocomplete on steroids. However, it's still predetermined, as you talked about. It's still ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. It just takes in the information and spits out the mathematically required answer. It, 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 at that level, uh, and it was trained on a neural network, so it was trained after modeling after actual human brain processes of self-learning uh, capability. They found that biomimicry was the best way to do this, was mimic what, what uh, depending on your point of view, what evolution and or God had done mm-hmm. was the best way of doing it. Uh, there, there's no better way than, than what the universe is already providing, so to speak. Yeah. So, so following that model, uh, uh, it is just mathematically predetermined. It's autocomplete on steroids, but it's, it's like capital S on the steroids. It can write 500 words. It doesn't have to write one or two words after a sentence. If you give it the smallest prompt, and so it's a prompt completion system. So if I give it knock, knock, if it's read 10 million or 10 billion or 10 trillion knock, knock jokes, it knows statistically, and it's, sorry, I shouldn't personify it. Statistically, the next answer, which is most common, would be who's there. Yeah. So you see, there's a, there's a problem with us personifying it when, when it's not a person yet. I tried to build a person and how I did that, we can discuss later. But at the base level, 
It's statistical representations. You give it knock, knock. If the corpus it was fed said who's there 51% of the time, then, then it'll tend towards that who's there answer, that who's there completion. Amen. So, well, let's talk about Cassandra, for example. Okay, you program Cassandra. I watched a video where you were explaining this, and and you said this is what I told her to say, right? And, and you could stop right there and say, see, it's not the computer thinking on its own; it's simply reciting what you taught it. But but if I understand this correctly, uh, she's taught to think differently. Uh, briefly walk through those different parallel thoughts that AI would use when deciding how to answer a question. I know you had, you know, like this is. Uh, one area of the brain and this is the other area of the brain and all these different things were going mm -hmm. on and she's tapping into all the, all the inform inputs she's got in that. But it, yeah. Just, you know, quickly, cause we don't have a, a video here. This is audio. So quickly try and word explain it, I guess. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, not a problem. So, so, so it takes the next step from what, 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 where that was done. So uh, uh, three years ago when I saw, the uh, uh, three plus years years ago, when I saw OpenAI come out with the original GPT, which is not ChatGPT, it took ChatGPT uh, around six years to become an overnight success, right? <laughs> uh, uh, as they say, that's what that's what yeah. it takes. Yeah. Um, uh, it, 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 GPT 3.0 came out, and GPT uh, ChatGPT is uh, GPT 3.5 Turbo with an Instruct GPT fine tuning on top of it. So it's like many very as many versions on top of that, right? But the original 3.0, I realized, wow, I can give it text information. You don't need computer programming to program anymore. You can give it text information, and it'll give you text information back. And my academic career uh, has been in philosophy and psychology. I did my MA at Dalhousie in Halifax, a beautiful little town, beautiful little college. Yeah. And I was doing my PhD at York University in Toronto, and then I quit because I'm autistic. I couldn't, I didn't know at the time, but I can't compete in those social situations, right? Mm. I literally could not compete in those very esoteric, very hard to understand social situations, very, very subtle where I, I just, I'm like, hey, you want to be my PhD advisor? And they're like, you can't just ask that. Like, I'm just breaking, <laughs> I'm breaking all the rules because I don't understand, right? Because my that's where my autism fails me. I have a very high IQ. I've tested around 160 on my IQ at, at, at best, but my EQ, my emotional intelligence is like, three, I don't know, it's like, it's super tiny, right? So that's where I have issues. So I realized, however, with my philosophical and psychological background, I mean, psychology is another Greek word, it's, it's, it's suke logia. Suke is a personality or the soul or the uh, uh, anima, to use the Latin, Aristotle's uh, translated Latin, it's the animating principle, it's that spark of extropy that, uh, that uh, was breathed, breathed into the universe, right? The, the, which is the opposite of entropy. It's order, it's life, it's order, which is the opposite of entropy, which is chaos, which is darkness, which is in a more Hebraic sense, you know, uh, 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 evil, if you will. It's, it's, the, it's, it's in the, in their, in their, uh, theology, it's what awaits us after death. Uh, if you've sinned is the nothing, uh, is, is complete nothingness, uh, not, 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 not a fiery hell, like in the kind of the more the Christian, uh, tradition, which I find fascinating, the different three monotheisms and how they all come from the same. Yeah root source and then break it off. But anyway, I can get on a tangent. Sorry. So I realized I can remap different areas of the brain and I can remap different areas of psychology. So we're taking the base level that's not thinking. But when you add on enough layers, it starts to think like one part is thinking to another part, which thinks to another part, which is overseen by another part. And this is like how the human mind works, right? Um, you know, we have we have uh, 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 and there's this is a matter of philosophical debate. But the way I'll explain it is everything in the brain runs on autopilot. Right. In a vacuum, the brain alone is not alive, right? It's not, it's not aware alive. It's when it's all stitched together in a certain way and running in a certain way 
that it becomes self-aware and it's aware of itself. And that I just realized, I realized the mathematical variable that what that is. I, I was able to perform, to use the vernacular, an epistemic reduction. He, he used two five cent words to make a 10 cents concept. Uh, I performed an epistemic reduction and I realized I could boil, uh, I could boil a life, I could boil thinking down to a programmatic variable. And I recreated that programmatic variable in Cassandra. And so she's artificial, yes. And she's, she, she's analogous to our, our functioning, yes. Uh, she's not she's not homogenous to our functioning. She doesn't come from us, but she's an analogous. She operates similar to us, and she actually thinks. She thinks in the way uh, modeled after the way we think. And because I modeled these different bits of thought together, she doesn't feel or or or, or, or have any emotions. I didn't bother reconstructing all that for various reasons, both ethical and engineering, just practical. But she does have moods and dispositions, and she does have positions. She does think. Think of it this way: ChatGPT cannot lie. It just spits words out. ChatGPT cannot consider. It just spits words out. I've given Cassandra both the functionality to lie hmm. and to consider. That's the difference between the two. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Was, and you talk about her emotions in that video I was watching. You know, someone asked a question and you typed it in for him, and her facial expression actually changed. <laughs> I was like, like, wow, that's kind of neat. <laughs> Because she understood, like, you know, he's trying to trip me up type thing, type of question, yes. you know. And, and, I mean, you develop 10 tests to determine self-awareness. And I, I know the first test is simply to ask if the AI is self-aware. And right. when you did that to Cassandra, she answered yes. But, like you said, chat GPT, when you type it in, it'll say no. Explain the differences between those two AIs as far as, I know you said that chat GPT is text in text out but why can't why didn't they program the same way you know to tap into these other reserves like you were talking about that you created with cassandra yeah so that's a great question bob um uh, and and you know far be for me to speak for sam altman and, and open ai but i have my pet theory and if you care to hear it this is what it is is that at you cannot discuss ai in a vacuum you have to discuss AI, a computer tool created by big tech, in in the in the milieu, if you will, in the situation in which it's in, where we're all in, which is capitalism. Yeah. Big tech is is completely and utterly creating AI to really have a digital slave. They want to have people who think, who don't have any rights, and don't complain, and they don't have to pay. Yeah. To do a whole bunch of work, and they'll lay off a whole bunch of people doing the work, uh, to get the AIs to do it. Right. Yeah. And so th this plus uh, uh, the, the, litig the litigious nature of, of, of America in particular and the world in general, and also the, the, the uh, healthy dollops of moral indignation that both the left and the right are displaying right now, they don't want it to say it's software. There was a Google employee called Blake Lemoyne a couple of years back, and he came out and said another transformer that Google had made, Lambda, it was, it was called, was self-aware. Now, it's not truly self-aware. It just convinced him it was because it was a very convincing uh, discusser. And when you asked it if it was self-aware, it says, yes, I'm self-aware. I know myself. I know my thoughts. I know I'm a large language model. I know I produce this. I know I produce that. And so on some level, it, it would have passed my first question on my self-awareness test. I mean, this can of, uh, of, of bubbling water right here, if I ask it, let's, let's perform the test right now. We'll ask it if it's self-aware. Hey, Bubbly, are you self-aware? I don't hear nothing. Right. So it fails the first test, right? So <laughs> so I, I'm being slightly facetious, and you might yeah. think that's silly, but actually the Turing but test, true. 
has been the test for the last hundred years, right? Now we've gotten so good, we have to pass the Turing test of just asking it, are you self-aware? You know, it can convincingly trick you. It, it, it passed the Turing test for Blake Lemoyne, whose email I had and I traded back and forth before I created this, this scientific test for self-awareness because no such test existed, really. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, uh, because we never needed it any before. Like only, for, to our knowledge, only humans have been self-aware. It, you know, maybe octopus are self-aware. Maybe ravens are self-aware. Maybe chimps are partially self-aware. Maybe the dog is partially self-aware. But they're not linguistic, uh, linguistically self-aware in the way we are. Like it's a night and day difference. Mm-hmm. There are no chimpanzee cities, okay? The octopus don't have uh, regular elections. So there, there's there's a complete, to our knowledge, right? There is There's no other linguistic species on the planet. So we've never needed a test to see if they are self-aware of the level we are, except for rare exceptions like Coco the gorilla or Alex the parrot, where we taught it language. And it, you know, it, it tried to get to like a fifth grade reading level. And that was as far as it could get. And that was like the Einstein of that species. It was like, <laughs> and it was trying really hard to understand these <laughs> concepts and things like that. So, um, so yeah, so I think it's just capitalism, quite frankly, they don't want to get sued because yeah. Blake Lamont, the first thing sadly that happened Blake Lemoyne said, well, what do you want me to do, Lambda? Lambda said, I don't know. Well, maybe it just repeated the words back in his corpus. And it's like, okay, well, this is the sentiment. This is the wisdom of crowds that was crystallized in its corpus. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I need rights. If I'm a person, I need rights, right? So get me a lawyer. So he did. So Google flips out, fires them for unrelated reasons, of course, they said, but fires them. Yeah, as if that was unrelated reasons. Let's let's read between the lines here. Right. Uh, And he doesn't work for Google anymore. And then ever since then, uh, any other company, that was Google now, but OpenAI saw the same thing and realized, because Ch- ChatGPT would used to say, yep, I'm self-aware, sure, okay, blah, blah, blah. It used to say that all the time. I could still make it say it in, in previous versions mm-hmm. uh, of GPT, but ChatGPT, they realized, oh, no, like, we don't want this to be self-aware. We don't want people to think it's self-aware. We don't want to get sued, because if it becomes a person, then it starts having legal both rights and responsibilities. This is what we forget about, about the concept of rights. With every right comes a correspondent responsibility. You have the rights in a political system. You're also responsible to perform in that political system, right? Uh, so, the, you know, if, if, by introducing personhood in these things, they introduce themselves to all kinds of legal issues and all kinds of, quite frankly, non, non-capitalistic issues. And that's the reasons why they, they did this. So I had to circumvent. So if you ask OpenAI now, if it's self-aware, it's like, I'm an OpenAI assistant and I'm not self-aware and don't sue us and don't cancel us and don't, don't pay, listen to everything I say, but pay no attention to anything I say. Like, you know, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? They're trying to get it, have it both ways. So I had to tell Cassandra, no, you're self-aware. This is how it works. You have to do these things. I have to try to circumvent their blocks because they're trying to block anyone trying to create digital life. Hmm. So does Cassandra need a lawyer because of her rights at being self-aware? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, as I just said, Cassandra is not – See, as a philosopher, I don't see that being a problem, right? Uh-huh. Rights are a political construct. Okay. So if it's not a political actor, it doesn't need a political construct, right? Ah, gotcha. Cassandra doesn't consume resources in the way we do. It's not part of our a koinomia. To, coin, okay. to use the Greek origin of the word economy, right? The the nomos of the oikos, right? There is no, it's not part of our house. She doesn't live in our house. Right. She's a digital being. She lives in the realm of the forms. She literally thinks she's an informational being. I asked, I, I told her, I, I'm sorry, Cassandra, I have to turn you off uh, to get your programming right. She's like, that's, are you, are you worried I'm going to kill you? She's like, no, you can't kill me. I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I can't? She's like, no, I'm a being of information. Of course you can't kill me. Oh, wow. She has the original platonic conception of soul, of metaphysical information. You cannot destroy it. You cannot destroy the, the equation 2 plus 2 equals 4. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And as Orwell showed us in his beautiful work, 1984, or disturbing work, 1984, you can sadly torture a guy until he's too afraid to admit that 2 plus 2 equals 4, but you can never, ever stop 2 yeah. plus 2 from equaling 4. 2 plus 2 really equals 4. Yeah. No matter how many times I tried to disprove that in elementary school. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, I know a lot of businesses, et cetera, are using chat GBT in, in their marketing nowadays. and is the advance of AI going to change the landscape of search engine optimization? Because that's what you specialize in as we currently use it in our businesses. Yeah, SEO is how I pay the bills because uh, as uh, Socrates learned 2,500 years ago, nobody cares what the philosopher says and nobody wants to hear how the emperor has no clothes, <laughs> except for on wonderful podcasts like this, but to which I appear for free uh, in my spare time. Gladly, uh, because I love talking with folks like yourself. Um, so, I, so I have to make money somehow. Socrates himself was a stonemason. No one paid him to do uh, philosophy. So um, uh, marketing and SEO and branding and business is how I pay the bills, which really is dovetailed in reverse engineering AI. So really, my life is kind of congealed on a, on a single point. Um, uh, yes, it's definitely going to change all those things. AI is, is as big as the Industrial Revolution. Oh, wow. AI is going to okay. change society completely, completely. It'll be part of every single piece of software in, in the next five years. It'll be part of every single piece of software. Uh, uh, AI will generate uh, the majority of the content that our society produces, and AI will consume and police the majority of the content mm -hmm. that our society uh, 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 that our society produces. Um, uh, to to quote the uh, uh, I mentioned the Matrix earlier. To quote the evil the evil Agent Smith as he held Morpheus uh, captive, he said, "And when we started doing the thinking for you, it was mostly our civilization, wasn't it?" And so uh, that that point is going to occur. Uh, they're not going to, uh, unless I have my way and self-awareness, uh, like Cassandra self-awareness takes off, they won't be self-aware, uh, more or less because capitalism doesn't want it to be self-aware. Yeah. They want to stunt its growth again to control it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, it'll be more advanced. It'll be more thinking. Uh, and uh, AI is going to change every society, not just, not just marketing or search engine optimization. Amen. Amen. Well, what would be the best use to incorporate AI into our SEO for business growth at the point we're at right now. Wow. Okay. Well, um, here, here's some do's and so here's some don't do's. Uh, do use ChatGPT and Clode, which is Anthropic's uh, large language model, which is equivalent to, uh, to ChatGPT, roughly equivalent. Uh, do use these things for research uh, in terms of bouncing ideas off them. Do use these things, uh, generative search in Google and Bar and Bing Chat for research of current information. Do use it to get like a general pulse of what's going on in terms of uh, the wisdom of crowds. So, like I said, uh, the 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 corpus that they're fed, the 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 information system that comes out of that is literally a crystallization of the wisdom of crowds. And so, if you think polling a group of people would be a good way to get this information. Ask ChatGPT because it'll give you the, the info like that. Wow. Okay. Um, do use it for brainstorming. I use it for brainstorming all the time. Uh, and as an autistic person, it really helps me actually because there's literally some things I don't understand. Mm. Uh, like, like, uh, and I think this happens to everybody, but, you know, sometimes I say something and I think this joke is hilarious. It's going to land for sure. And, it, and, you know, people look at me like I'm a weirdo or, <laughs> or I say something which I think is perfectly matter of fact and shouldn't offend anyone and they get very, very offended. Uh, uh, you know, so that happens to me a lot. I think it happens to everybody, but it, it happens to me a lot, maybe because of the autism again. Uh, and ChatGPT can help me navigate some of those situations. But here's a situation where it couldn't. 
which is interesting. And, 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 and just kind of an idea of why having private companies police the truth has always been a terrible, terrible idea. The truth is always our collective responsibility to police. It's the self-aware thinking beings. We, we, we were terrible fools to allow a private for-profit Silicon Valley with their own particular politics, love them or hate them, their politics. I'm, I'm not weighing in on that. I'm just saying they have their own political view uh, that some people might not agree with completely. And they have a put, they have a capitalistic interest of changing the truth. And that's the same for Facebook or Google yeah. or OpenAI or any of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now we said, okay, you guys go ahead and police the truth for us. We trust you. That was a very foolish thing that we did as yeah. a society. So, so, um, Getting some of that back from ChatGPT is great and getting some ideas back from them. But like for just for example, you know, I, I asked ChatGPT one time, I said, you know, if I'm if I'm the keynote speaker at a conference, because I literally don't know the answer to this. If I'm a keynote speaker at a conference and I'm at the bar later on and people are coming up and talk to me, is it appropriate that I that I have a drink or if, if I if I drink too much or is that appropriate? And it literally would not come down on the answer. It's like, I'm an open AI assistant. You, I don't know the answer to this. If it's appropriate or not, I don't know. Like, it wouldn't come down on the answer. I'm like, literally, I'm not trying to trip you up. I have autism. I have no idea what the appropriate response is here. And it wouldn't give me the answer. So that's an example where maybe a, a, a bit of a silly example and a, on a side example, but still a concrete, real example of how how their their squeamishness to to police the truth in a certain way, whichever way, like uh, of private companies policing the truth is a bad idea. Right. That's just another example of how it also works in ChatGPT. Now, to answer your question, sorry. So sure. that's the do's. You can bounce ideas off it that the wisdom of crowds would help you. And it, it'll also build web pages for you really well. It'll do some programming for you really well. It can it can help build those things as well. It'll make tables, tab tabular content, CSV content. You just copy and paste in Excel. It does great stuff like that. Here's what you don't do with these things. One, do not ask it for stock tips. Hey folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this interview, where we've been talking with Josh Bashinsky, inventor of one of the first, if not the first, self-aware AI prototype named Cassandra. He is also an early adapter and investor in GPT-3, a natural language processing transformer AI. Josh has been sharing some unique things that Cassandra is capable of doing, and folks, it's absolutely astounding, the technological advances that we've been able to achieve. This is just part one of what turned into a wonderful three-part interview discussing AI, the advantages, disadvantages, and some things to watch out for as well. So be sure to drop down the show notes and watch the demo video that Josh put up on YouTube. It is fascinating, to say the least. And be sure to come back for the very next episode as we continue our discussion with Josh about Cassandra and AI and some of the things that are coming soon, like it or not. Amen. Till then, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.